This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, how can you directly help Ukrainians? 21-year-old Veronica Sheehan tells us her story of moving to Canada from Ukraine, how she's fundraising to get bulletproof vests in the hands of Ukrainian soldiers. Her family is still there. Her younger brother and her parents are moved from where they were, and she's here in Canada trying to help out. Will Smith is making headlines around the world, not for his Oscar win, by the way, he did win, but for slapping Chris Rock in the face. Steve Stebbing, our national film critic, takes us through what happened on stage in the movies from the big screen that got awards at the Oscars and the ones that probably should have that might not have. Plus, are you okay with music festivals? Big, crowded, sweaty parties of awesome. All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with... Music festivals. Fire. Well, fire? What mu- what mu- what music festival did you go to that had fire? Bur- were you a Burning Man, Shane? No, I was the Fire Festival. <laughs> oh, the Fire Festival. Anything. Okay, well, I'm okay with anything but the Fire Festival. It was I'm fire okay with watching. Why. I know, which is, the, I think the entire reason why that fell apart and people were stranded on a desert island was because they put the Y in there. It's like a curse. <laughs> or it was never really a plan to happen. That too. I'm sticking with my why though. I'm sticking with my guns okay. on this one. Fair yeah. enough. All right. So music festivals, Ryan, you like the concerts? Oh yeah. I love me. I've only been to one in my entire life, one music festival and I only saw one band play, <laughs> but it was amazing to be in a crowd with 150,000 people. Uh, my best friend and roommate has been to several and these stories are incredible and i would hope to experience some of those stories myself one day um i hope they return to full force just not a lot of incredibly huge music festivals in canada you can't fest in ottawa though and not say yeah you can't say what band you saw you can't like can't not say oh oh yeah metallica in quebec city oh that's all All right. Just, that's it. It's just Metallica. Well, just Festivals Metallica. for you? Yeah, they're going to be big, those Metallica boys. Um, Someone's yeah, going to give them so. a deal. They're doing well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think the music festival is all about the atmosphere. Um, more so than it is about the music. It's about the partying and all that stuff. So I, no, I'm not really big on like big music festivals. Give me like the local jazz festival that I just happened to stumble into on like commercial drive here in Vancouver or something like that. Then I'll go. Very cool. Yeah. All right. I like them when I have my own space. So if I can have a backstage pass, like the old days when I used to do rock radio, absolutely. But if I was going to be in crowds, I was like, no, I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. I have not been to any of the big ones like the Burning Man and like your mm-hmm. chat about there, Ryan. But this one is interesting. I just thought it was fun because the lineup at Chicago's Lollapalooza which is one of the biggest in the States, by the way, got a full reveal of the folks who are going to be there. Our very own Dean Richards. Welcome, Dean. Yeah, Dean Mosh Pit Richards, <laughs> as I am known through the years. <laughs> there uh, we to go. have been out there on many a rainy Lollapalooza uh, covering this uh, through the years. It's, it's always exciting when the, the lineup uh, comes out. Yeah. Uh, what I hear a lot when the Lollapalooza artists come out is, I don't know any of those artists. <laughs> 
that are on there uh, because it is a young person's uh, festival, let's be honest. But you know what? This year, I think a lot of people are going to be very pleasantly surprised, mm -hmm. both young and old like me, because uh, you're going to know a lot of the artists that are uh, performing. Okay. So, who is going to be at this fantastic Lollapalooza um, festival? That was from WGN News, by the way. A lot of great artists going to the festival, which kicks off in July. And um, there are many people that are very excited, of course, to, to be a part of the festival because, well, COVID. So, Metallica is going to be there. So, maybe Ryan can go and see Metallica, too, again. Uh, Doja Cat is going to be there, which is pop songs. Yeah. I don't know. It, I mean, very Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza was an alternative music festival. What's what is this? Yeah, I would. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I mean, things change, right? Uh, Green Day mm -hmm. is going to be there. Perfect Lollapalooza. Makes sense. Uh, J Cole is going to be there, which is very hip hoppy for Lollapalooza. Mm -hmm. But I guess it's about the music, man. But when DJs come in, man, the DJs come in, and it's it's um, sometimes the DJs attract the most amount of people, and there's one DJ who's going to be there, including DJ D Soul. Now, do you have any guess on? Who that DJ D Soul actually is in life? Anybody? It's not DJ it's BK. It's not. No, <laughs> I would be curious to hear what a DJ BK EDM set would sound like, though. I'd be very. I'd pay money a to lot, hear that. Uh, lots of eighties samples. It's sound like an eighties yeah. new wave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it would sound like. Pretty good though. Um, uh, I have no idea. No idea. All right. Well, I guarantee whatever you were thinking is wrong. So, okay. DJ D Soul is the CEO of Goldman Sachs. Oh God! This just gets worse. <laughs> <Come> on. Oh. <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, David Solomon Seriously? leads a double life as an EDM uh, DJ, EDM machine. Solomon's been a DJ since 2015, which is not very oh. long. He even founded his own record label because he's rich. Play okay. Payback Records in 2018. Coincidentally, 2018 was also the year he became Goldman Sachs CEO. On his Instagram page, Mr. Solomon, who used to perform under the name D-Soul, says he's excited to play the festival for the first time. He plans to donate the proceeds he receives for the performance to nonprofits. In fact, all the money generated through Payback Records and Solomon's DJing career are donated to charities tackling addiction. So if you're a nobody DJ who's nobody's ever heard of, and you're going to get a spot at Lollapalooza. How do you do that? Well, you clearly got to know people. Yeah. <laughs> or you're part of the funding for the festival. Yeah. It's, it's not horrible. His sound isn't terrible. It sounds like all other EDM right now. But so there's that. <laughs> This is just, it's just I'm very unfortunate because like this happened to Coachella too. Coachella was like a, a, a alternative music festival and right. so was Lollapalooza was like the original one and they've just been turned into this. It's yeah. both of them. It's, it's That's because they wanted to make money. Yeah. Yeah. The market share they wanted of to make more is, money. Well, it's, it's so low in the grand scheme of popular music. It's so minimal compared to the rest of it. 
I know it's heartbreaking, yeah. but mm-hmm. well, I know it nice wasn't in the nineties. That's why, like in the nineties, everyone was all about grunge, and that's why they started this Lollapalooza because yeah. it was the big thing, and it's not anymore. It was like Edge Fest in Toronto, right? It was yeah. amazing, and uh, even that started to change over the course of time. And if you listen to alternative music today. You hear an awful lot of hip hop crossover in some of it today too, right? So yeah, it's all pop. Um, but you don't get to DJ here unless you know people. And he says he's putting it towards the charity, so that's probably a good thing. And the cool thing about being a DJ is it really doesn't matter how old you are. It's sort of like online gaming that way because whoever's making the music, nobody cares, you know. And frankly, if you show up and you're literally lighting fire in a place and you've got a big gray beard and <laughs> you look like a grandfather, that that would make everybody way more excited anyway right it's DJ just Graves. yeah it was just like off the top of the show there when i said all i did was press play all he's doing is pressing play just to a rhythm i gotta watch him though i'm curious i'm gonna go i'm gonna watch his set i want to see like you know idris elba the actor he's a dj and he loves being a dj like he makes some beats that are actually pretty decent uh I would rather see Idris Elba at a festival like this than the CEO of Goldman Sachs. But like when Idris Elba plays his music, it sounds so weird to say, doesn't it? He, he's very into it. So I'm curious if like for this guy, it's kind of like I can make EDM music. So I do it. Or does he genuinely love it? And like, this is his thing bank and making bangers, you know, where is the work life balance for this guy? That's what I'm curious. Um, yeah, I think he's all right. I, I, there's two kinds of DJs. There's actual DJs who perform and then there's producers that play songs that they've made. So to be determined, I suppose, which one is as he, uh, that's for sure. Okay. Are you okay with, you can come over here and try my DJ crate, Ryan, one day, set you up. I'd love some records. I'd love to. Can I actually Mm -hmm. do the spinny thing though? You can do the spinny thing. It's called the spinny thing. I feel like I want to make a remix of this. Are you okay? Music. You know, like a DJ yeah. BK remix. <laughs> How does it go? It's <laughs> beautiful. Love it. Sing along. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cat remix. Are you okay with free merch? Ooh, I don't oh, like yeah. free merch. No, I what? don't. What? Well, we talk home. about all these things in life about being responsible and not wasting and all that stuff. And then you go give out a bunch of bobbleheads that are really cool for five minutes. And then nobody looks at them again. I find that I that's have weird. a, I have a cool bobblehead story though. That might change your mind on What's this. That? When I was in elementary school, my principal, Mr. Maine, I believe God, if he's listening, I'd love for him to reach out so I can thank him for this. Um, He used to work for the Blue Jays, if I remember correctly, and he was still pretty well connected with the whole Toronto sports world, even when he was the principal at my elementary school. And he knew that I I had a rough time in elementary, you know, I was bullied and he wanted to help me out. And I got tickets to see a Raptors game and it was Hito Turkoglu night, who is one of the most hated Raptors of all time, but he had just been traded. Everybody was excited. So they made bobbleheads for him. And it was the night that I was at the show. And I got a bobblehead and Mr. Main told me, when you get back from the game the next day, bring me a bobblehead. I want to see it. I want to see the bobblehead. And so I did that and he took it into his office and he's like, okay, I'll give it back to you at the end of the day. And then at the end of the day, nothing happened. Where's my bobblehead? 
and I opened my locker and there was a ransom note. He's like, I have your bobblehead. It's gone. So I went to Mr. Main and it's written. It like was like a, like a, like a bank robber note, like magazine mm-hmm. cutouts. And he's like, I don't have it. It's been stolen. And I, for a full week, my teachers, Mr. Main, all of them sent me on this crazy scavenger hunt. I actually accused a student of doing it. He did not. I felt bad about that. But did you walk up to him and slap him in the face like Will Smith? I I did. I slammed the pay, the ransom note on the principal's desk, and I said, "I know who it is. It's Maurizio." It was not Maurizio. Uh, so <laughs> this is very dramatic. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> I uh, I found it though. My friend helped me solve a riddle. I opened up a safe in his office, and we found that. And then when I got back to the classroom, there was an autographed Hito Turkoglu jersey there that he got for me so i got a hito turkugu free merch bobblehead which i still have and the jersey because of the free merch so that's why i like free merch oh fair enough i just find it can be wasteful um in your case very nice story most people don't go about to that detail but thank you um hockey fans at washington capitals game on the weekend scored some free merch fans who went to the game were given foam apples like a foam ball right apples um for goals is what it is. That's the uh, for points and goals, uh, nuts and apples, and all those different ways that you guys say it. So they were giving them away to celebrate Nicholas Backstrom reaching one thousand career points. So they gave away the entire arena foam apples. Any idea what happened when he scored a goal? Oh no! Oh, Literally, no. hundreds of plush apples rained down from the rafters onto the ice like they would. And Backstrom happened to be mic'd up that night, so there was a microphone on him when it happened. Uh, Backstrom was pampered after the game, too. He was presented with a Tiffany's crystal. It's a Tiffany crystal, a golden hockey stick, and custom golf clubs, mm-hmm. a present from his teammates. And there was also a video tribute that included messages from Ryan Getzlaff, Patrick Kane, Sidney Crosby, uh, who was booed because <laughs> it's Washington. <laughs> the Capitals, yeah. <laughs> so they're pretty close together. A uh, very cool story there. I mean, it was a neat sight to see all of those. And you had to know what he scores that all those apples were going to come flying from the sky. Mm-hmm. It's very good stuff. This is the Shift Podcast. I've shared a lot of my impressions, understanding, discovery around Ukraine here on the shift. I've learned so much. I've made new friends that are there. I've been able to connect with all kinds of people I would never have connected with. And that continues in this conversation uh, with a young lady named Veronica Sheehan. Um, Veronica is in Vancouver, is from Ukraine, and is working very, very hard. Now, Veronica, you're 21, and you, um, most 21-year-olds aren't um, fundraising for bulletproof vests, are they? No, and that wasn't my life um, a month ago or before February 24th. I've never fundraised for Bulletproof Vests for sure. Yeah. 
Um, tell me your story. Tell me, how did you end up here? Because it was uh, a long time ago, yet not so long ago, that, that your life changed and come came, you came to Canada. Yeah, I was born and raised in Ukraine. And then after I graduated high school at 16, I moved to Vancouver to go to BCIT. And that, that was the start of my journey here in Canada. And ever since I've graduated BCIT, got my jobs and got my PR as well recently. So um, I've really settled here in Canada and trying now trying to do what I can do to help Ukraine while I'm here. Because of course, it's, it's very hard being so far away and so distant from my family and friends who are all currently in Ukraine. Do you have to force yourself to not watch the news sometimes? Like, do you actually have to pull yourself away, put your phone down? Because it, I would assume it becomes so forefront on your mind and all encompassing where you just, you have to have the discipline to put it away for a few minutes just for your own well-being. Yeah. I mean, the first week I was just glued to the news. I could not do anything else, but watch the news, read the news. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat and whatever I was doing, I always had notifications on my phone and would check on the news first thing. Um, now, I mean, I have to live my normal life. I have things to do. I have work, so I definitely have to force myself to put the phone down. Um, but still, it's, you know, it, it makes me somewhat feel like I'm there and I know what's happening and I have this weird fear of missing out in a negative way that if I'm not checking the news, I'm going to miss something important. I'm calling my family constantly when I'm seeing the news about our region to, to check up on them. Um, so it's been good and bad um, watching the news. Uh, where, are you, where in Ukraine are you from? I'm from Berdansk, which is an hour away from Mariupol. So, oh, so Berdansk. Okay, so you're right from the. Um, um, we just had a conversation about that. So you're from the Azov, Sea of Azov, yes, there, yeah. right down there. Yeah. Um, how is your family? Are did they stay? Are they in Berdansk still? Because I mean, it's not far from Mariupol, and it's been obviously. Um, uh, that's where that conversation for everyone else who doesn't recall was, uh, where the uh, the ship was blown up. The um, the troop ship, the cargo ship, the um, the landing craft, that massive one that Ukraine's blew up there. So um, that must be that must be hard. Is everyone still there? Or are they okay? Yeah, that was uh, just on Thursday, I think, that this happened, and just a day before that, my family made a decision to evacuate, which is what well, was a very tough decision to make because it's very risky to go on that drive and drive out of the city, drive out of the region because it's fully occupied by the Russian troops and they are stopping the cars, they are checking IDs, they're checking the luggage. Um, there are also shellings happening, which my family, they heard bombings and shellings and they had to wait um, in a village before it all ended so they could continue driving safely. Luckily, they were able to evacuate so safely, but it was definitely a very hard decision to me because you just never know. There are no guarantees in this war. There are no rules. Um, mm. It's just so you just take the leap of faith. You just take the risks and do what you think you should do. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I can't imagine how hard that is on you to be so far away to see that happen and and for them to leave. How complicated is it for you uh, in your family? Uh, I'm not asking you for geopolitics. I'm just your experience. That corridor um, from Crimea up to the Sea of Azov, you know, that's pretty closely geographically linked to Russia than most. There's sort of a corridor there. And what I've learned is that there's quite a few, you know, Russian I don't mean Russian speaking folks. I just mean, you know, more Russia, Russian families versus Ukrainians. Um, is it complicated in and around you and what you've seen and had to go through? I know we've had many storytellers come on and share that, you know, there's there's an awful lot of disagreements between inside families about what to do and where it goes. I mean, growing up, I have not experienced any pressure on neither Ukrainian speaking or Russian speaking or pro-Ukrainian or people with ties in Russia. Like I've never experienced anything like that. We just, it all felt, it all felt like one community. We were all people of Ukraine, some with, I mean, I have family in Russia. My uncle lives in Russia. My grandma is from Russia. And we've never, prior to 2014, when the war started, we've never had any disagreements about that. Um, and then, of course, it became a lot more political, but still what we're seeing now, even all those people or the majority of the people that were pro-Russian in our regions, now that they are seeing what Russia is capable of and what they're doing to the civilians, how they're bombing the cities, there's a very small percentage of people who still support Russia most of the pro-Russians, they, of course, changed their minds about um, being part of Russia and the Russian government. Yeah, it's got to be hard. Well, you've taken a stand. You've taken a very clear uh, clear stand for safety of people and safety of Ukrainians. That's the cool part. Um, tell us what you're up to. Uh, and again, I'll just remind everybody, you're in Vancouver. The organization you're working with is out of uh, Kelowna. And you are trying to keep Ukrainians safe. And it's fascinating to me. And I want to know how you ended up on these particular items. And uh, I mean, because if you ask me, Veronica, if you came to me, you said, hey, Shane, what do you want to do here to help out? I don't think the first things in my mind would have come to that same place. So I find it fascinating. So tell us what you're up to. Yeah. um, So when the war started, all the volunteers here in Canada, I think we all took a couple personal days just to process what was happening. And then once, once that was over, we, I think all of us started thinking of what we can do to help. And there were organizations that started um, fundraising for humanitarian help. And that's how I started too. Um, But then once I started talking to volunteers here locally, as well as I have friends in Poland and Ukraine who are volunteering as well, uh, what we found is that Um, There are enough humanitarian supplies in terms of clothes and food in Europe, and it's much easier and faster and cheaper to ship them from Poland, Austria, Germany, and other European countries to Ukraine. But there's a big challenge in sourcing and buying bulletproof vests and ballistic helmets. Um, So that's what we, I personally decided to fundraise for because um, communities in Ukraine, they were reaching out to people in Canada and Australia and the US 
um, to buy those vests because there's a shortage of them in Europe. Um, there are not enough of them. There are limited capacities. Um, so once you order them, you have to wait several weeks, which of course is the time that we don't have as we need to supply protective gear to our territorial defense forces and our armed forces as soon as possible. So that's how we kind of came around because we found this um, supplier in the Okanagan region, um, as well as there's an organization in Toronto and we are cooperating to buy and ship. There, there was a shipment of over a thousand bulletproof, bulletproof vests recently um, and around 600 helmets and we are continuing to do so. I was going to ask that. I was like, okay, so you have this idea. Okay, we're not going to do clothing because there's already a good stream of that. You decide to do protective equipment. And then, like, do you just go to Amazon? Like, I, like, I don't even know where you would start with that. Um, is it Ukrainian community folks that are helping out with you with direction on this? Um, how do you, I mean, again, I just, I, this, I, where I'm so fascinated, Veronica, and, and all the work you've done is that it would never have occurred to me even where to start looking for these things. And so uh, that to me is really, really fascinating. Uh, fellow Ukrainians, Canadians, who, who are you surrounded by? Yeah, I mean, when I decided to focus on bulletproof vests, I just thought, you know, I'm just going to raise funds, go to the store, then go to DHL or whatever and ship them out. But then, of course, um, there are obstacles to that because it's military grade equipment and you have, speci have to have special licenses to purchase. And then the carrier has to have special licenses to ship. Um, so I... I found this organization in Kelowna um, and Toronto. They both have the logistics figured out. They have the licenses. They are in direct contact with the suppliers to have the licenses to ship that equipment. Um, so we've just been collaborating and working together to raise funds, then go to the supplier, buy whatever we can with the money that we have and then streamline that um, to Poland and then over to Ukraine. So is there a goal number? Do you have a big, you know, graph on the wall that you strive for? Um, what, how, how much does a vest cost? I have no idea these things. Um, you know, how, what, what do you, what, what are you striving? I guess you're striving for everybody to stay safe, but if there's a metric on it that we can understand, um, what, what do you strive for? Yeah. Um, an average price for a grade four, which is a military grade bulletproof vest, um, is around thousand Canadian dollars. So it is very expensive. And of course, we need tons of those. There are millions of people, I mean, millions of civilians, but there are hundred thousands of people in territorial defense forces and armed forces. Um, so most recently, our goal was $53,000, which we successfully fundraised and shipped those uh, bulletproof vests. Um, wow. And yeah, and now my personal goal in my fundraiser is $20,000, which would buy us roughly 20 bulletproof vests. But since we're buying in bulk um, and there are other options in Toronto, we're just exploring um we, I know that people in Toronto have also found bulletproof vests. So if anyone has grade four bulletproof vests, they are not using by any chance. 
uh, we would be happy to um, purchase those as well. So where are where can we go to learn more about this? What do you have set up? What are the links and where's the info? Um, I have a fundraiser as in F-U-N-D-R-A-Z-R dot com slash help Ukraine 2022. And that's a link to my fundraiser. Now, when you look at this, is it enough to, to ease your mind, to keep yourself distracted and working hard to, to do these things? Uh, it must be hard when you talk to your family. I mean, jumping in a car and hoping that they can safely drive to a safe place. I mean, I don't want to say guilty because you're not guilty of anything. But at the same time, sometimes you, your heart tells you that you should be there with them. Um, but yet maybe you can do more from far away. How do you how do you get through that? Yeah, definitely. That was a big challenge for me. I definitely felt guilty for being the only person from my whole family who is safe here in Canada and that I've never heard a single bomb explosion or shelling and didn't see dead people on the ground um, and didn't have to risk my own life. So I figured that, you know, I can pity myself and feel guilty or I can do something to help while I have this opportunity here in Canada where I'm safe and I have this opportunity to connect with my community and the people that I know who have been so incredible and willing to help um, and do something productive rather than just think about what if um, the whole time. Yeah. Are you familiar with butterfly effect I heard as an idea? It. Yeah, so it's basically once a butterfly flaps his wings, the the wind moves and it affects everything around it eventually. It's very simplistic. Or when you throw a rock into a lake and it's a perfectly still lake and the ripples just go and they just go on their own and they do their own thing, it affects everything around them. I just, I guess what I hear is this. I mean, you're 21 years old, you're in Canada, your family's in Ukraine, you're doing all these things. And, and I think that, I think it's worthwhile to share what I, and I'm sure everyone who's listening sees as well with you to provide you a bit of a mirror, if you will. I mean, you're doing things that you never thought you would do. You're um, taking on things that a 21-year-old, frankly, shouldn't have to worry about. And um, and you're doing it, and you're doing it with confidence, and that's m- inspiring, regardless of the fact that 53 people will have a jacket on that's going to feel safer because of you and the people around you and what you're doing. That's 53 people. So how many people are in your immediate family? Brothers, sisters, moms, dad, like your closest circle. How many number? My mom and my dad and my little brother, who's two years old, are all currently in Ukraine. And then I have, of course, tons of cousins and uncles. Yeah, all the cousins. Yeah. So let's call it so a close family of four or five people. And then you've got 15 or 20 people around you. So if you take your 53 people and that person feels safer, you know, fighting in volunteer forces or whatever... And then all the 20 people around them feel safer because they know that their brother or son or whatever is safer. That now touches a thousand people, right? And then the people that you're inspiring by here that, you know, may contribute if it's right for them, that that inspires them. And, and then, you know, your 20,000 is 20 more that that's that like you've kicked this snowball down the hill. The avalanche has begun. And, and there's no telling where it goes. And if you are with your family in Ukraine in a car, uh, getting out of Bryansk, Bryansk, you would never, um, 
all of those thousands of people would never be able to have the safety that you're giving them. So I, I just want you to, I really hope you can see that in the mirror of that. That's how powerful you are. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to, that's a great way to look at it. I admire what you're doing. I admire what you're up to. Um, we will post those links, by the way, uh, at shiftheads.ca, our Facebook group. So everyone can take a look at it. And if they can't help, maybe they can share it uh, for someone who can. And uh, there's no pressure here. Uh, it's up to you. But the reality is, is we want to get as much in front of everybody to to contribute as much as possible. And maybe somebody has a line on on something else or a brother or a cousin or an uncle that also makes these vests and might be looking for for yeah. something like this, too. So you never know where it's going to go. That's yeah. the cool part of what you started. And and I admire it. And I, I wish you the best for your family. And I would like to uh, keep in touch and find out how you do. And if we can lend any assistance to you uh, in general in sharing that word, um, please let us know. Thanks a lot, Shane. I appreciate it. You're an amazing person. This is cool. Well done. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> this is the Shift Podcast. Good morning. Thank you very much for listening to the Shift. I'm Shane Hewitt. The Oscars were on Sunday night. And. The Oscars are normally one of those shows where I'm like, eh, if there's nothing else on. Now, my buddy Steve Stebbing, he loves the movies. He's got his opinions about all the movies. Steve, how are you? I'm. It, it's been a weird night. It's been a weird <laughs> it's night. Been a very weird night. I like. I do love the movies. I'm not, especially over the last, you know, five, ten years, ha- have been less and less a fan of of the Oscars. To be honest, it just more like what gets the awards is all i really care about just kind of like fast forward to get to each award and get me out of there because uh you know i kind of feel like i'm fading fast during them and that's how i felt with 2022's oscars until um well the the epic slap okay here's what happened um the oscars they give out the, the 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 awards and all the things so on the show uh, Chris Rock is telling his jokes and makes a joke. And then um, Will Smith laughs. Jada Pinkett Smith rolls her eyes. Then they cut back to the stage and Chris Rock keeps telling his jokes. And then all of a sudden, Will Smith walks up on stage. Now, when things like this happen, people kind of cheer. They're like, oh, it's Will Smith. Yay. All that stuff. So it turned into an interesting, interesting evening. And this exchange, safe to say, is somewhat unbelievable. Uh, Let's get started with the very, very first clip um, with the joke that Chris Rock made about Jada Pinkett Smith. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? (laughs) (laughs) That That was a nice one. Okay. Okay, well, not everybody thought it was nice. So Will Smith did laugh. Jada Pinkett Smith gave him the stink eye. Steve Stebbing, why was that joke offside? Uh, because Jada Pinkett Smith recently came out with the diagnosis that she has alopecia, which is she lost all of her hair. So it's not a choice that she has a shaved head. It's a harsh reality. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who has alopecia. And, yeah. um, you know, and he literally actually has one whisker on his face and he won't let anyone touch it because this is only one. He's very proud of it. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and I've met um, a couple of women with alopecia that do um, uh, all kinds of motivational speaking and sell wigs and do all those things because of it. It affects women much differently than it affects men um, in in a lot of different ways. So now let's listen to that very first clip again, know, knowing that um, it has come out that uh, she has alopecia. And then um, let's hear the, the, the joke one more time. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? That was a nice one. Okay. Now, the question is, is um, did he know that or not know that? I'm sure he probably mm. knew that. Um, but G.I. Jane was Demi Moore, and she shaved her head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, huh. I, I think it's the context of what it's given, too, because it was talked about on Jada's uh, YouTube show, Red Table Talk. So it's entirely possible that Chris Rock didn't see that and it wasn't like put out by us weekly it wasn't like an interview a people magazine interview like it's not one of those big magazine things it was her show that Mm -hmm. where she came out with this right now we're not defending chris rock just to be clear we're just trying to get clear on what was known and what may not have been known now after Mm -hmm. that joke will smith stood up from his seat uh he is real close to the stage by the way and he uh with a big gait and strong stride walked up to chris rock and slapped him here. Uh-oh, Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Now, this is where I'm going to stop and talk about how I texted Ryan and saying, oh, my God, Will Smith just hit Chris Rock. And Ryan said, Ryan, what did you say? I I thought from the angle that it happened, I thought it looked staged. I thought it looked I thought the slap looked staged. And before I texted Ryan to tell him that this had happened, I had the exact same opinion. I was mm-hmm. like, there's no way, this is just a gimmick, it's something to do with something they've got coming up. And um there's some movie with some big epic slap in it with Chris Rock and Will Smith coming. But then I watched it again. And then I watched it with what happened next when they, cause I saw some tweets about, um, Will Smith continuing to yell at Chris Rock after that happened from his seat. And I actually watched it. Someone had posted it from an Asian TV channel. So it was uncensored. And then there was some subtitles, but Ryan found uh, the end of the clip. So after sitting back down, this is, was the tipping point for me to not believe it was fake anymore. This is, um, this is the clip. Nick name out your mouth. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a GI Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. I'm going to, okay? Now, he was there was no joke. I mean, there that was not a joke. He was very very angry. Okay, so there is the context of all of the pieces of the puzzle of what happened. And I want to get the entire clip now for you in order of how it all happened so you can hear it for yourself. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? (laughs) (laughs) That was a a nice one. Okay. Okay. 
out here. Uh-oh, Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I could, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, that doesn't sound like a fun joke anymore, does it? Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> like I it, it 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 it's painful to listen to. Now, I'm going to go back to the fact that when the joke was made, Will Smith laughed. I'm not sure he got the joke. Maybe the joke was only about GI Jane and the fact that she had a shaved head. Maybe he didn't know about the alopecia. Maybe all of these things came to a perfect storm. It was some of the reporters I was watching. I was trying to get caught up on Ukraine news. Actually, I was watching the BBC and the reporters there, they were cutting back to Los Angeles and they were talking about what happened during the commercial breaks after that. That's the video footage that we're going to hopefully find on Twitter. Someone in the crowd who, um, who got the footage in between and there was now this is gossip so i'm not going to get into it but guys like denzel going up to will smith and making comments about their don't ruin the best night of your life and all these things so there was an awful lot that went on in between and after the fact the only thing that had me thinking that there's no way that this is real even after ryan and i talked about it and ryan like oh my god i think that could be real and i'm like i know it could be real and we batted it about the only thing that made me believe that it wasn't real was that Will Smith sat down and they let him sit there. He just assaulted a person, like legitimately, on stage, and then went and sat down, and they kept going. So, Steve, the Oscars are dreadfully boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd like to quote yep. um, a very wise man I know named Ryan O'Donnell who said, this could be the best thing that ever happened to the Oscars. I agree. Most recently, yeah, I would say so. As sad, as brutal as that that is to to say that, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it might be the biggest ratings tick for them. They they rose above the Golden Globes, uh, <laughs> like a, like a phoenix uh, from mm-hmm. from a, a burnt out COVID year, um, and yeah, it's it, it's the weirdest thing, uh, like the to hear the laughing in that the uncertain laughing and then how it kind of dies out, but there's still some weird chuckles and stuff. And then, yeah, yeah. having to kind of sit in the same room as a guy who walked up on stage and slapped the hell out of somebody is like weird, but like also like oddly peak Hollywood, they would have yeah. allowed John Wayne to do the exact same thing. You know, yeah. they would have allowed the Duke to do that. So, so I, I would like to go back to the part where he, kept heckling from his seat i think after he swore the first time from his seat that seemed to me be to be the time where um the crowd got it that oh this mm-hmm. is real well you can certainly tell that lapita nyong'o got it because she is right in the background of that shot of will smith where he's yelling yeah. the second time 
and yeah it's so it's so weird because then i mean the energy of the whole show is completely different um it, it completely kind of took the good feeling of people that won and people that should be celebrated and stuff even will smith winning felt so massively tainted now like it's one of probably the biggest points of his career but also arguably the lowest point of his career like he has done some pretty large damage to his public image for sure which was already kind of shaky as well it was shaky and he's been all over this you know positivity peaceful heart uh, him and Jada have been talking about that and, you know, maturation and how they're growing up and they're learning and they're living in the peaceful world, man. And they've got this, you know, give back love thing. Well, there's not a lot of love in that um, and at all. In fact, uh, Will Smith did win an award that nobody will remember he won. He apologized yeah. when he was in the middle of uh, his speech for King Richard and he said, oh, he was mm-hmm. sorry to the Academy and da 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 da. Now, what's going to come out next is tomorrow well today i suppose the monday is going to be their world is going to be on fire Mm -hmm. literally everything to do with everything is going to be in damage control mode there's all the parties it's the only thing everyone's going to talk about at the parties Mm -hmm. tonight like everything and to make you know to to add some more fuel to the fire Jaden tweets out that's what happens just that sentence that's what happens so Jaden's not making stuff better for them at all. So yeah, cool. <laughs> like way to go, Smiths. Way to go. Awesome. Um, Steve, the King Richard movie. Since we're talking about Will Smith, he mm-hmm. wins the award for best actor. What yeah. um, should does he deserve it? I, it is a really the evenings events. <laughs> yeah, well, it is a really good performance and one in which kind of Smith alters himself for for the for the, for the role. And, and and does some good character work um and i i dig the movie like i didn't think i would and i think i went into it with a kind of a low bar but um i really enjoyed his performance in it i think the movie benefits from the the just the entire cast that works in that movie but uh smith is definitely a giant in that one um i mean i i really like bennett cumberbatch he was my other uh, horse in the best actor race um but yeah, it kind of made sense for Smith to win this one. It, it, it felt like his year when we got to it. Um, unfortunately, he didn't really act with that kind of emotion. Yeah, no kidding. Now, do we have a clip here uh, on this? Do we have a clip of uh, of King Richard? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Second yeah. one. Yep. All right. Second one. Let's get it. We got future doctors and lawyers, plus a couple tennis stars in this house. The chances of achieving the kind of success that you're talking about is just very, very unlikely. Okay, you're making a mistake, but I'm going to let you make it. Watch me hit a few balls. All right. So tell me your names again. I'm Venus. I'm Serena. So what do you think? Is this always the guy who plays the, the real human being? Um, he he has a bunch in his career. Uh, I mean, he was nominated for Ali in uh, two thousand one, I believe that was. Um, I don't know if he got nominated, but he should have got nominated for Pursuit of Happiness, where he played Chris Gardner. Another true story. Uh, I mean, he has a handful of true story films under his belt, um, and those are usually massive Oscar bait. So um, it's kind of fitting that he won for this one rather than one of the uh, 
non-real characters like uh, Benedict Cumberbatch plays, or heaven forbid, Denzel Washington for Macbeth. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Hey, but there's an awful lot of there's a lot of big names, man, for that. So let's let's go. Uh, let's continue for the best actress and Tammy Faye, Jessica Chastain, uh, the eyes of Tammy Faye. Let's hear that one. Tammy Faye, what'd you do? Hello, mother. This is Jim Baker, my husband. <laughs> it's all part of our mission to help people. Anyone who's hurting or they feel like they've been left out, God has a plan for us. What did he tell you to do this time? Jesus keeps a ticking me higher and higher. Jim will preach and I'll sing. Higher, higher. God does not want us to be poor. All right, tell me about the movie, Steve. Is it any good? Because the storyline of the people, like the, so here, okay, here's, I'm going to sound bitter and jaded for a second. Can I sound bitter and jaded for a second? Sure. This is how elitist and, um, disconnected Hollywood has become with real life. Hollywood is now doing movies about famous people with famous people to make money. Like they're making movies about other famous people, right? Like it's not even, it's so disconnected from anything and yet we seem to watch it. I don't understand how there's a, you know, I mean, the first movie with Will Smith is Venus and Serena's dad. And then this one is Tammy Faye. Like to me, this seems this so wildly disconnected from what reality is anymore. And there's none of this seems any, like I'm all for artists who make movies and who are actors who want to create and do cool things. This to me all seems so entitled and far gone, or am I just, you know, being jealous or something weird? I think maybe you're just noticing it now. It's been happening for decades. It's been happening since the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Like it's been biopics have always have been a thing for a long time. Mm. And maybe it's just becoming more evident to you now, but yeah. it's always been a thing. They've always been making famous movies about famous people with famous people starring in them. It's just something it's, it's a Hollywood trope. It's, it's a cliche almost. That's why they're called Oscar baits. And mm. that's how Jessica Chastain wins a best actress award. I like Jessica Chastain a lot. I like her performance a lot, but the movie is not good. And it's another thing of which her performance wasn't enough to elevate the movie to be a great film. And ah. the same happened when they gave Renee Zellweger, the Oscar for Judy, her performance is great. The movie was not. And it's mm. just, it's a lopsided affair. Because uh, Kristen Stewart was in a great, like, to me personally, Spencer is a great film. Her performance is great. Her performance is what elevates the film to be a great film. All right. Uh, more depth in general. Mm -hmm. Not to get, I, I think of, I always think of sports references, which is probably not good, but I always think of like a, when you have a team that has a couple of stars that does really, really well, flashes in the pan, and then you have a team that's built up of an entire team of amazing players, they tend to win the Stanley Cup. Like a whole bunch of very, very good, hardworking people tend to always beat the couple of superstars. And I feel like movies are very similar that way with depth, roster depth. Okay, the first award uh, went to Dune for Best Sound. It was the first of several for the uh, Dune show. So technical categories, most of those I don't believe were on TV anyway. Uh, let's hear these clips, and then we'll get Steve's thoughts on Dune. We are House Atreides. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. Smile. 
look, Ernie. I am smiling. The Emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides accepts. I know you. There's something way for you in my mind. You need to face your fears. Well, you like Dune. Tell me about it. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, it is an absolute cinematic achievement. And it's honestly no surprise to me that it dominated so well in all of the technical categories and all your sound categories, your VFX, all that kind of stuff. It just that's what it was built for. It is a juggernaut of a film. It is it is just gargantuan in scale. And um, yeah. I, I mean, you really had to celebrate it that at the end of the day. And uh, uh, I'm not disappointed for any of the awards that uh, Dune took in for sure. The big award of the night went to Coda. You're the girl with the deaf family? Yeah. yeah. I just want to tell you right now. And you sing. Interesting. Something's got a hold on me here. What are you doing next year? Working with my family. So tell us about Coda, because the award acceptance, I think, really did say it all, which is kind of ironic. Yeah, uh, basically, it is about a uh, co- a family, a fisher fisherman family uh, living in a coastal Maine uh, port. Who uh, they're they're deaf except for the oldest daughter, but uh, she has a gift to sing and who what she really wants to pursue. But she is kind of indebted to helping her family with their business all the time because people have a hard time communicating communicating with them, being that they're deaf and everything. So they very much depend on her and don't understand her her bigger dream. Uh, this movie is incredible. It was a hit at Sundance, uh, which was the beginning of his journey to getting picked up by Apple TV+. And, uh, I mean, I love this movie. This is a perfect movie. The best film of last year, without a doubt. And uh, I saw a tweet earlier when it, when the film won, and it kind of bugged me because it said, nobody has seen Coda and nobody will see Coda. And I think that's the attitude that is kind of letting films like this down and uh, to hate on it just for the fact that now it's a small film to won an academy award i think is uh is is very harsh so i I do think everybody and i mean everybody should see coda it's a fantastic film when they accepted the award they naturally started to sign because some of the actors uh actually do sign so it was really cool and it was interesting and it's not very often i come out of the award shows really excited to see one of the ones the weird ones that's not mainstream that you don't get to see very cool stuff well it was an interesting night very very interesting on sunday with the oscars and definitely one of those ones that we're never going to forget steve stebbing.ca if you want to check out his website and his blog steve stebbing thanks for being here bud yeah thanks Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.